Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to episode 16 of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have John Glover on the podcast. Hi, John. Thank you for being on this show. To be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, for the people that don't know who you are, uh, can you introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Yeah. My name is John Glover. Uh, I've been a full-time photographer now, specializing in headshots and portraits for almost four years. And before that, I spent quite a bit of time in the corporate world. Uh, in the information technology field, so it kind of made a shift, quite a shift from what I was doing professional, be- you know, professionally before being a photographer, and um, I've just been enjoying every minute of it. It's quite a process building a business up from nothing, as I'm sure you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's been it's been quite an interesting journey, and I've learned a ton along the way, and I'm excited to um, you know continue to share what I can with others and, and help them on their own path. So how what did you- you des- how would you describe your work? You mentioned portrait photographer. There's a whole bunch of different portrait photographers in the world. So what is yeah. like significant for your work or how would you describe it? Sure. Yeah. The, you know, I'm a, definitely a headshot specialist. Um, and and that's, uh, that's how you and I met uh, through some commonality there. <laughs> yes. Um, and and that's that remains to this day like bread and butter for me uh, in terms of income, uh, headshot photography. Uh, a lot of is corporate some acting modeling mm-hmm. um and you know like a lot of photographers i think that you know i tend to i i feel at least a lot of us when we get started in some in photography professionally we tend to cast a pretty wide net in terms of niches and and what we're you know dabbling in and potentially even selling and developing as products if you will um but then we tend to narrow down a bit i think that's the path that most photographers are on not not all some probably come out of the gate knowing more about you know what they want to do day one but for me i was like all right i'm gonna try all this different stuff you know shoot a few weddings cool nobody sued me that's great (laughs) um i'm gonna i'm gonna go try some product photography i'm gonna shoot a little bit of real estate and and then i you know i i ran across peter hurley as many of us did and uh he just became a great mentor and friend to me and uh, i learned a ton about building a headshot you know, viable product line or service uh, in, in the photography niche there with him. So, um, and it's, it's stuck. So now on the flip side, you know, I, I really enjoy shooting kind of editorial style portraits is the best way to describe them in just a sentence or two. Um, and I've been shooting for some local magazines here and there and kind of developing my own eye and style for that sort of uh, portrait photography as well. And, and that, that provides you know, quite a creative outlet for me as I continue to develop my business. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, do you feel like your personality matches the work that you're creating? Is that something that's really close to heart since you come from a very like technical background? as an I in the IT world like yeah like how did that work? yeah yeah so you know one one thing i love about photography and i'm so thrilled to be doing it as a profession is um <clears throat> pardon me oh. is that it really kind of takes uh the the technical aspects that are required to create beautiful imagery and and melds them with the creative aspects you have to have both right um and so i find that really challenging and so I, I put a lot of emphasis on both sides of that uh, teeter-totter, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the you know whether it's headshots or portraits that I'm working on, I really enjoy the technical elements of lighting and um, you know just good solid photography practices and and uh, kind of pushing the envelope there where I can. Um, and the creative side comes in and styling, um, you know, coaching and directing the client, um, you know. And, and all sorts of those sorts of elements too. So it's it's to me what makes it mine is that kind of my version and balance of those two elements, technical and creative. Yeah, and like we co- we both come from the same like schooling, if you will, with like Peter Hurley and like all of that. Ooh, Peter is actually episode. 
15 if you uh, want to listen to his story. And but what is like the portraiture? Like what is like the inspiration there? And like what do you want to build with that? Or what are you creating actually? So what you know what I have been developing there over the last couple two three years I would say is kind of my version of that editorial style portrait. Um, it, it, if you want to get into like who I'm selling that to potentially, mm-hmm. um, the concept for me is it's for everyday people. So it's the ability to take someone who maybe needs some some branding photography or um, some you know images to use for corporate and or it could even be um, you know kind of crossing over into you know family or couples or whatnot. Um, but I tend to stick a little more on the commercial side of things is, is my ideal client. But I want to put them in this situation where they feel like, you know, an experience that they're getting an experience that they wouldn't otherwise get, both in terms of um, just feeling like, you know, they're the star of the show as well as the result. And I want to create for them what feels like a shot that could be on the cover of a magazine or whatnot, um, even though that's not what they do professionally. Yeah. Like, is that also what you want to achieve with your work? Like, create magazine um, style imagery and with the headshots? Like, obviously, it's like to help people open doors. Is that what you yeah. want to achieve? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as as you know, the, the headshot, um, you know, even aside from what I was just talking about, like editorial style portraits coming back to headshots, that's a cornerstone type of photography for almost everyone out there these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and to be able to create that for someone in a way that's going to be effective, powerful, meaningful, both personally for them as well as in a lot of cases for their career path and advancement, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. And when we take it to not the clients, but to you as a the photographer, John, like what is what is going to happen in the studio or what would happen in the studio when you go like, I'm going to pat my back right now because I did like so freaking awesome. Like what is the goal during a session? Like, how do you, how do you perceive that? Uh, Yeah. So, um, my goal is to, um, is to create that, you know, version of them that they've never seen before, um, in a powerful, meaningful way. Um, and it's it's interesting. A lot of times, I feel like you know, I, I, I as you get more experienced in that in those things, I think that in a process for headshots and portrait photography in general, you kind of know when you're knocking it out of the park, right? Mm-hmm. Um, usually, the client does too. Sometimes they need a little convincing, <laughs> but um, so in my sessions, sometimes there's a little bit of education that's going on with the client as well, and that's actually very important if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but using that effectively and in the right contexts is key. You know, you don't just come out of the gate like trying to educate everyone on why you do everything you do as a photographer. But some people need a little bit of um, they need to they need to build confidence in you in order to build confidence in themselves in some cases in those sessions. Yeah. So is that also something that you leverage Uh, on the website and like on your social media that you like talk about your process and talk about like uh, past experiences from other people that you shot or like how do you go about like getting your clients Mm -hmm. yeah definitely there's some uh you know baked into my marketing materials there are uh, there's text content video content um that is you know very focused on telling the story of uh who i am why i'm qualified and what it's like to work with me um i think those are kind of you know central pieces to establishing some branding online um but to be frank with you and, you know, uh, personal branding and just branding in general, those are topics that a lot of us probably neglect or neglect and they're a bit elusive to a lot of people, me included. Like, you know, um, if you sat me down and just said, hey, what are you doing in the personal branding area? Could you just lay it out for me? I'd, I'd really have to think about it <laughs> because it, it tends to be a little more of an afterthought for me. And it probably shouldn't be there. There, you know, I've always, um, I'm the first to admit when I, I know there are, there's like low hanging fruit, there are things I could work on more. Um, that's absolutely one of them. doesn't mean I'm not doing anything like that. doesn't mean I'm not person, you know, doing any personal branding or putting any thought into that whatsoever. Um, but it's it's a tough topic, and it's it's often um, I think a little confusing to people, and uh, and it becomes an afterthought to most when they're building branding, marketing materials. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, make it more comp- 
sophisticated than actually needs to be because a lot of the branding efforts are like the word personal is like uh, the most important word. So make it personal. And since we're talking about the topic of personal, like um, did you like sh take pictures when you were growing up? Uh, like did you shoot while you working in the IT world or uh, like what is the backstory? Like who is John? Like talk us through like wh what your upbringing, like how do you got into the IT? Why did you decide to move away from that? And like all of that, like give us a little bit of a background story here. Sure. Um, yeah. So I got into photography as a hobby, probably like 15 or 20 years ago. Um, you know, not a lot of big news there. Um, even going back further, I think, you know, my, my dad influenced me to like strike an interest there. Uh, he always had a 35 millimeter camera around like on family vacations. And um, I actually have that camera now. He's like, I'm not using it. It needs a little bit of work. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so I've messed around shooting, you know, a little bit of film there. It's, um, I think it's a Pentax Super ME 35 millimeter and, and it still works. Um, even shot a few headshots on it one day, but, uh, um, you know, go figure. I forgot to put film in it before I hit the button, I think. Um, <laughs> cause you know, my, my entire, uh, you know, professional career started on digital. That's just the era that I kind of got into this is, you know, fairly recent. Yeah. Um, but my dad definitely influenced me to have a, kind of a love for photography and an interest in photography. And it was a hobby for many years as I got into technology as a career you know, which was, I did that about 18 years, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, it was a, um, hobby is, you know, while I was, um, doing that. And it was at the time when I, even when I bought that camera might've been 20 years ago, um, 15, 20 years ago, it was still a digital camera. The first, like, you know, it was a DSLR. I think it was a Nikon D70, which is one of the first kind of, you know, consumer grade cameras that was worth buying from Nikon. Right. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah. digital. And and my brother had got one of those and first and he's like, hey, these are pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, well, if I buy that kind, I can share lenses with them. <laughs> right? And here I am today shooting Nikon still. <laughs> Isn't that how everybody um, get into brands? <laughs> like you have a friend that's shooting yeah. or like and then it's like, yeah, uh, like I had the same thing. Like I had a friend that like ran around with like a Canon 400d or like whatever like old school uh crop factor stuff like not mm -hmm. fans it's like okay maybe i want to join you in your hobby and like build a hobby from that and like okay what should i get and like it's like immediately for me going to canon because like we could like interchange lenses and just like borrow shit left right and center and i guess that was the same for you with nikon i think a lot of photographers like lock themselves into a brand based on that yeah i mean it's i think that does happen frequently and and the irony is i don't think i ever borrowed one lens from my brother <laughs> but um you know these there's there are great cameo camera manufacturers out there a, a few of them right there's a handful of cameras for sure i'd be like these are great cameras and, and camera systems really and i've been with nikon ever since and I, i really do think they still make a pretty nice um set of gear i'm uh think currently i have a d850 and a nikon z6 so the full frame mirrorless um and i love that camera but uh yeah so that that kind of got me into photography and then um you know as i got into my tech career, I came to a point where I was just not finding the same satisfaction I used to. Um, you know, yeah, it was a job. It was making decent money. Uh, but, you know, I had kind of, uh, I got into some leadership roles and, and I ran into some frustrations, you know, and the technology itself, just, you know, learning new tech and, and doing that stuff over and over again was starting to become like a little boring actually. Yeah. And, And this, um, you know, there's always something new in tech, right? It's like, you know, we're going to virtualize this or that. Okay, now we're going to virtualize the virtualization. All right, cool. You know, you just keep, <laughs> you know, it's like a sweater with a thread. And, um, and technology kind of runs the world and, and it's awesome, but it was just getting a little bit, you know, tedious for me. Yeah. I was getting burnt out on some of the corporate politics. So I was kind of looking for an outlet, a shift and photography kind of met that um, need. It fit the bill. And I started developing my skills much more seriously there instead of at the hobby level. I started taking, you know, odds and ends jobs um, and earning a little bit of money with it. Sports photography, second shooting weddings and things like that initially. Um, but, you know, I've always had this, uh, this is just part of my personality baked into me. 
it's this kind of desire to learn continuously. Mm-hmm. And I like to dive super deep and just kind of immerse myself in things. And then um, I get a little bit bored and then it becomes, you know, I, it needs more, I need more discipline to stay focused on that thing. Right. So that cycle that I just described like happens like perpetually to me. <laughs> so okay. I'll dive super deep. I'll learn a ton and I'll reach a level where I, I, I know I'm not an expert, but I know that I've learned a lot and, and, and then a little bit of boredom sets in. So, um, you know, that happens whether it's technology or photography or whatever for me. So I, my personal, you know, struggle there is to stay disciplined, you know, even when that, you know, when I bottom out on that interest peak and then it'll come back too. It's not like it's gone forever, but that's just kind of how my personality works is learn, 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 to learn. Okay. Yeah. I've learned a lot here. Now I'm a little bored. I kind of want to learn something else now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, I had yeah. that same situation, like growing up as a kid, like getting toys and then it's like fun for a week and then it's like, okay, what's next? And with photography and business and like, I I have the IT background as well. Um, Uh, like the IT marketing, like where it pretty much aligned. That's where I lived in the corporate world. And it was always like, eh, I don't know. It's like the same shit all over again. And like with photography now, like um, even though like the lighting and everything is pretty much the same, like the, uh, I should rephrase, the aesthetic is more or less the same. I always feel like I gotta like figure people out and like really like uh, Sherlock Holmes them as Peter says it. And just like figure that that's like the attraction to the photography, just like different characters, different personalities trying to figure them out. And that's what keeps me um, like shooting what I'm shooting for like the past seven years. And like, I kind of get what you're saying with like, I like people tell me like I have ADD or something. Like I just like go all over the place and get distracted and want to do different things. And like, God forbid, I started shooting like the real, like the canvas backdrop crap with people sitting on stools and like all of that stuff. And then I moved away from it because it wasn't feeling like me and like, like, I guess every photographer at some time in their career is going to dabble with different um, styles and different um, looks and like all of that. So um, how do you like really like knot it down what you're doing now? Like how do you lock it in? Yeah, so um, I'm probably a little more, uh, especially being, you know, looking to kind of generate income <laughs> rapidly mm-hmm. as I yeah. built this business. I'm a little more kind of business focused in, in the answer to that question probably than, than most or some, I don't know. But what I mean by that is um, I, I kind of prioritize creating products and services that, that I believe will sell and generate revenue for me mm-hmm. over, is this exactly what I want to be doing? Right. Okay. Um, that's always a balance between, you know, I think every photographer is balancing that out. Right. Yes. Uh, I think I, even in my book, I have this example of this, which is kind of, you know, the extreme example. It's like, well, you might want to be a, you know, uh, um, you know, I don't know what I used. It was like, you might want to be a, uh, you know, baby photographer in Billings, Montana, but there just aren't enough babies. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, the, you're not going to make any money, even though that's your passion. So it's like, you know, you kind of always have to look at what's marketable, what's valuable in your market and what do you want to do now to keep the creative side flowing and always make things my own. I've always got that kind of personal project list and I'm going to try this or that or the other. But back to what you just said a moment ago, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and it's what keeps photography interesting to me is the ability to always learn something new if I want to. Um, but there's a, a hugely consistent element of what I'm selling currently. And that has to do with that aesthetic you mentioned is the same. You know, the lighting might be reused, you know, a thousand times or whatever. And, and But it's that person that walks through the door that, that keeps things very interesting for me. Um, and then again, separately, there's the, the ability to develop new techniques, new methods. And that could either be on the technical or the creative side of things. And so that that keeps photography very fresh and interesting for me, even, you know, despite me having that kind of, you know, um, dip in interest now and then there's always a way to pull myself out of that by just, you know, working on something new. Yeah. And you just mentioned your book and passing. So I um, want to talk about that. 
because I know you have a book on Amazon and you wrote something and like yeah sure I, so I was approached by um, expertphotography.com actually a little while back and um, they were looking for someone to uh, write an ebook it's it's not a print an ebook but um, you know they were looking for someone to write an ebook on uh, the business side of photography. You know, there are a lot of technical books out there on how to shoot lighting and whatnot. And, um, a lot of value in those areas, but and you have to learn that stuff. But um, they were looking for someone who could, you know, help them write. Or, or I, I mean, I wrote the book, but <laughs> they edited it. It's nice having an editing team. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, because I was, and I'll, I'll talk about that process a little because I thought it was amazing. But um, yeah, they 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 wanted a book that could really be kind of a one-stop shop, if you will, to mm -hmm. get a, a photography business off the ground. And so I gave it my very best effort to create that for them. And I, I, I'm pretty proud of, you know, the uh, content that was put into that book. And I think it's, um, I don't know, 120, 130 pages of content in there. And and so it, it took me a few months to write. It's really nice having an editing team because, you know, um, you're able to just really put it, the content out there and not worry so much about the structure. And then you kind of go back. And I, I, you know, the whole time I was working on that, I always had that Hemingway quote in mind. I think he says like, you know, like write drunk, edit sober, something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So but, what's the book about? Yeah. So it's called Profit for Portraits or Profit from Portraits, sorry. And it's on, you can get it through expertphotography.com. And it really is a, a book on the business of, of photography, building a business using photography to generate that income. It, it has a, uh, you know, I guess it has a number of pillars or chapters in there, and and the attempt is to cover many of the topics that need to be covered, right? So it's a little bit about branding in there, um, not a lot. It has more to do with like you know generating you know the very best names and logos, as we know that's an element of branding. But it also dives into website design, um, you know, marketing tactics, uh, lead gen services. Um, sales techniques, you know, there's, there's a little bit of everything in there. Um, developing products and services, I consider that to be a really big deal. You know, I, I, I kind of say you don't really have a photography product until it's consistent, repeatable and valuable. Right. It has to have all, all three of those sort of you know, components. You, you can't, you can't sell something they can't repeat. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think a lot of people skim over some of these things. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of photographers are ready to sell photography before they might have the confidence to do it. So the idea is this book might help get them the confidence to do that as well. Okay. That's cool. I'll uh, put a link to your book in the show notes of this podcast for anybody that's interested. So there's that. So feel free to click it and check it out. Um, so how, like you mentioned personal brand, you just like said it in your book at, that it wasn't like really like the branding thing was like a big chapter in there, but how would you describe your personal brand? Sure. Yeah. And, and we, we had a conversation before we got into this real briefly. And um, it's, it's amazing that me and the publisher didn't really come up with that as a chapter. It probably should have been in there, but it wasn't. Now, is there personal branding in the book? Yeah, because to me, personal branding, you know, really pulls in a number of different elements elements that we're, you know, in a lot of ways already doing, right? Um, for me, personally, if you look at what I'm kind of doing, it, it really has to do with um, establishing authority and confidence as a photographer, and then telling that story about why it is we're doing what we're doing as photographers. And, and that's what I attempt to do in my own personal branding. So I, you know, creating content um, videos that kind of, um, you know, illustrate me working with clients. I have one on my website, you know, showing people what it's like to work with me. And what you're doing is you're, you're exposing them to the experience of working with you, but you're also building their confidence in you as an authority as an expert in the in your field, right? And and that's really the key to personal branding. So it's the the you know the the all the things, methods and tasks we might do in personal branding, the goal is to establish that authority with your potential clients, your ideal clients. Yeah, and then and when I ask you like point blank, like what is the brand John Glover? How would you describe your personal brand? Yeah, I should have prepared for that question, huh? Uh, no, I don't <laughs> want you to prepare for anything. Like, I'm just, I'm just this kidding. is going to be straight from the heart. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, when I think of my brand and try and describe it, it really is um, high-end, high-quality 
had shot some portraits with an editorial flair to them. And, and, you know, everything I do in my branding is meant to, you know, support or bolster that, um, from the logo, which is kind of simple, clean, classy sort of vibe to it to, you know, again, the content and things I use to show people what I'm doing in the studio. Okay. And how do you think others see what you want to put out there? Like, is there a mismatch? Do you hear like the way you present yourself is so on par or do you ever get feedback that gives you food for thought? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, um, I guess I couldn't put my finger on any specific feedback where they're like, you know, this is, you know, I do get like, this is not what I expected in a good way a lot of times, which is, um, um, but I, I don't, I, I don't think I've had a lot of feedback where, you know, people were kind of um, caught off guard, if you will, in a negative way, which is a good thing. But even that feedback that they're caught off guard in a positive way, that that shows me I have gaps in my marketing and my personal branding. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to touch on that. Like, you know, to me, the easiest way to really establish personal branding with someone is working with them. They've already hired me. They come into the studio. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's no larger dose of who you are, what you do and what you can do for people than than working with someone. Right. Yeah. And the challenge in personal branding becomes getting that out to people that you haven't worked with yet. Right. Um, and that first interaction with your brand, they, they go to your website or your social media or whatever they're doing. It's so hard to convey, to bridge that gap, to convey like really what you are and how you work with people before they've actually worked with you. So, I mean, that, I think that's a really good way to describe the challenge of personal branding. Um, and I'm no expert on it. I like, I, you know, I see gaps in my personal branding all over the place. It's a, it's a journey, right? Yes. Um, and so we're all working on that stuff and definitely I am too, but, um, that definitely that always kind of opens my eyes though and helps illustrate some of those gaps when a client says, "Oh my gosh, I I had no idea it would be like this," and it's a positive way. Like they might say, "You know, this was so much faster and easier than I thought it would be to get a great headshot." Right? Mm -hmm. um, those are huge clues. I I should be taking that, you know, whether I am or not. <laughs> I should be taking that info yeah. and as a feedback loop and trying to integrate that back into my personal branding. Right. Yeah. So you're in uh, Costa Mesa, I think, uh, just outside of L.A. Um, yes, I'm in, um, yeah, Orange County area near yeah. Disneyland. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, I have a fall. I have a last question about Mickey Mo Mouse. So let's keep that for the finishing thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, because like, he, he and I are best buds, Maurice. You oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, I love that. <laughs> but um, like you're like you're in pretty much like as we can probably say, like the greater Los Angeles area like the metropolitan yeah. la so yeah there's a lot of like actors there's obviously a lot of businesses uh you coming from the it background you wanted to like go into headshots and shoot and do the portraits and all of that um so what did what actions or like what steps did you take to like build that personal brand to have people like travel to Costa Mesa or like just like people in your community? Like how did you build your business? Like what were the steps that you took from just like pretty much like sitting at a computer, like bluntly set to standing uh, behind a camera and like changing people's lives? Yeah, okay. So the like at the high level, I'd probably describe it as, you know, again, early on, um, you know, I built a website early on, but I don't think I, I understood the importance of that website for a little while. Um, I mean, even with my background in tech, I, I kind of knew some of that stuff, but that, that was a work in progress and it still is. But um, uh, so I started with a website and then I started with uh, a lot of, I mean, and, and what I'm describing here is, you know, everyone launching a business, even if it's not in photography, they're going to go through this process at some level. You have to find clients, right? You have to identify who you're trying to sell things to, and then you have to find them. Um, and so that's a challenge when you don't have existing clients. And so we do, we all tend to, you know, do things we know to do, which are websites, lead gen services, in-person networking and marketing, um, promotional things, um, you know, you activate your own network, right? You go out and I, I did a lot of that early on, whether I was shooting for portfolio or going to my professional network and saying, hey, I'm a headshot photographer now. Why don't you come in and pay me for a headshot? Right? <laughs> and there was a lot of that. But, you know, there are these there's all these little things we can all do. 
Um, and, and we could get into detail if you want, but like lead gen, you have all the, you know, I'm not a huge fan of lead gen. Uh, I don't do a lot of that right now, but those are your like thumbtacks, you know, bark. Um, I even call like LinkedIn Profinder a lead gen service, although I'm probably a lot more fond of that one than some of the others. Um, but it's basically where you're paying to connect with someone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you're tracking that data properly or you're playing that game well, um, it can work well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make money doing those things. Because if you're going to spend money, you have to make sure you're at least making quite a bit more than you spent, right? Yes. Um, because all of your time and energy is invested to, to help that client. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have cost of business even in, in a lot, or cost of goods in a lot of cases. But um, I always say, and I, I mentioned this in the book, you know, the goal of all that, like the ultimate goal, which I, I may never achieve, but the ultimate goal is return and referral. So we do all of those other things to, to ultimately end up with return and referral. And that's because those are the cheapest and easiest leads we'll ever get, right? And they're generally happy clients or people that have heard great things about you coming in, right? So, um, you know, I still do a lot of those things, but I've, 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 uh, you know, really turned down and been more cautious, particularly in the, you know, lead gen and spending area. Um, SEM falls into that category too. I've seen so many photographers burn through a lot of money with like SEM, AdWords or whatnot. And um, if it's not producing an ROI, I, I don't, I, you know, I've, I've told photographers like, you should just turn that off. Like, why are you doing that? Like, just hit the stop button. Right? Yeah. Because you're burning 500 a month, whatever they're doing, and and they have no way to track, or they're not, or they know that they're not getting at least that much business out of it. So, um, and that just indicates something's not being done right in a lot of cases with those efforts. But they should absolutely be stopped until it's fixed. So that's just a word of caution to people out there building a photo business. Like, just make sure that your ROI is under control. If you're going to go spend something, make sure you're getting, you know, and in some cases there are less tangible benefits, but either measurable intangible or totally tangible is in cash benefits should be coming out of that spend. Yeah. Um, so I, I did, I did all that stuff and I've come into, I've, especially in this era and phase we're in, um, these kind of strange times, but, um, you know, I've settled into a much more comfortable kind of cruise control sort of, you know, I'm not going to stress about business development right now, sort of mode for the Mm -hmm. last six to nine months. Yeah. And it's, it's been a very good place for me, just like mentally. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think it's working fine for now. And there, there'll come another season where I hit the gas much harder on, um, you know, finding more clients. But I have a lot of return and referral right now. And I'm getting, you know, uh, still a trickle of leads and business coming in through these other marketing methods, too. So it's, it's all good. So when you started, you tapped into your um, like the old IT network and get into like the IT managers and like all the people that are freelancing and like that, like the people that you used to work with to get them in the door. Is that how it got yeah, started pretty much? Yeah, I, I, I did a couple rounds of like, you know, kind of reaching out to those uh, folks that I had. And I had, I had built a fairly extensive network of um, you know, technical professionals over the years. Um, a lot of that was through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kept in touch with them. And so, yeah, I, I found some business doing that. Um, but, you know, you're, each of those have like a, you know, expected percentage of who's going to respond or engage or, you yeah. know, you're going to be able to convert, if you will. So, yes. um, and when you're starting out, I, I, I needed all of these cylinders firing together at once, really, to, to, to build up the business fast enough. So, you know, it wasn't any, you know, I, I tell people there was, there's really no one single source of business coming in that, that, that keeps my business afloat and keeps it moving the, pot, the right direction. It's really a combination of all those things, right? They each add their percentage of revenue and clients coming in, right? Do you ever mention like being a former IT professional on in your communication just to attract those kind of people because you speak the same lingo? I did. That was never like very officially baked. Um, but I absolutely, when I'd reach out to them, you know, I, I, I would usually lead with that. So they knew what context I was coming from and, and, um, and most of them knew who I was personally at that point, And they were actually shocked to see that I was no longer in tech and I was a photographer at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would bring that into the conversation for sure. And I think in some cases it certainly helped me connect or relate to some of those people. So how important is your background in rapport building even before people like clear the check? It, it, it's very important. Yeah. That's, uh, 
slow pitch softball, Maurice, for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, it, it's, yeah, you, I mean, you really, um, by the time you have someone on the phone, even if they didn't come from my network, you know, my goal for my marketing and branding is such that they already know quite a bit about me um, and are already quite interested in working with me. That would be the goal because, you know, it's a lot easier to, to book someone who knows your work, likes your work, has read all about you, watched the video online, um, even if they don't know you personally, yeah. right, um, than it is to, to receive a cold lead. And that's also another reason I don't like these lead gen services that much. A lot of those are just like cold prospects, right? Yeah. They're looking for a quick, cheap headshot. I, those are the words that just, I know as soon as I hear them, it's probably not my guy or yeah. my girl, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just need something simple, quick, cheap, fast. You know, that's, those are all bad. <laughs> so what is your response to these, uh, yeah. these, uh, like shoppers, if you will, like the penny pushers and the people that want to just get a deal? Yeah. So it's changed over time. It, it used to really frustrate me. And I'd, I'd be like, I'm going to just do whatever I can to convert this person into my client, right? Mm -hmm. And that didn't go so well. Like, I'd convert a few of them, you know, after quite a bit of effort. Um, I even got into a few arguments with people early on. Just stupid business, right? That's yeah. not a smart business move. Yeah, right, right. Um, but in the, in the last uh, couple of years, I've, I've settled into a much more um, simplified approach here, and it's just a much more peaceful place to be, too. You know, I, I do what I can to educate them on my brand and my services and my quality, mm -hmm. you know, in those initial conversations. And I do that through the right text and, and copy as well as in the email itself or the message, as well as links to the website. And I do what I can to get them on board with who I am and why they should pay me mm -hmm. what I charge. Um, and if that doesn't work, I just, uh, you know, I let it be. I don't even, um, I don't even do a lot of follow-ups with them, you know, and that's just where I'm at now. I know that um, there are follow-up methods, especially like email marketing lists and such that work pretty well. I, I know, um, you know, you know, Mike Sansoni, um, mm -hmm. he's, I think he's got some amazing methods at doing that very thing. And I think it works, yeah. but just for me, I've always just kind of been like, yeah, I'm not going to play that game right now. You know, some, at some point I might, um, cause I, I do, I do believe it works, but I've taken a much more laxed approach to that. Like, Hey, here's what I do. I'm happy. I want to answer your questions. I want to engage you, but if you just like look at my pricing and go away, then I'm cool with that. I have yeah. no problem with that. Yeah. I have uh, like every Thursday, like over here, like shops are like open 9 a.m. till 6. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, Thursday night is like opening hours, like 6 to 9. And people go on Google and they type in like portrait photographer or whatever. And every Thursday at 7 o'clock stat, I get, an, I get a phone call. Like, I need to go to the DMV or I need to get my passport renewed. You're a portrait photographer. Can you come in? <laughs> like, yeah. how much is it for a passport yeah. photo? It's like, yeah, well, yeah. It's like I name my rates and it's like, either hang up and they go like, wow. Yeah. And then yeah. I just refer them to somebody else. Like, fuck that shit. Like, I'm not even like trying to accommodate yeah. that stuff because I yeah. have no, no you, you freaking clue what totally it's going right. to look like. Yeah. And, and these, you know, these, I, I've had a few of those like passport photo requests and 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 uh driver's license sort of stuff yeah. or whatever um but it's 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 most people see the price and they just go away it's interesting it's almost the most the most interesting client you know prospect i guess uh, call them to me is the person that sees your quality and loves it and wants it but they're not even close to being willing to pay your price right yeah and and, uh, you know, I've coached some other photographers through conversations on that topic. I've had a few of those approach me. And it's so interesting to me that there are people that are like, your photography is amazing. I want that on my passport or on my here or there or LinkedIn or whatever they're buying it for. Yes. But they're just totally unwilling to pay your prices. And then they, they get angry. <laughs> right? yeah. It's kind of like, it's like, well, you know, I mean, I don't walk into the Lambo dealer and say, I'd like to pay you 10 grand. Is that cool? <laughs> and they say, and they laugh at me and then I get angry at them. Like, well, this is absurd. I want that car and you're going to give it to me for 10,000 bucks. You know, it's like, yeah. I had a, I had a dude reach out to me at some point, like saying like, yeah, I'm a starting uh, entrepreneur. Yada, yada, yada. We known each other through some business network kind of stuff like uh, some networking event. And like he's like, how much is it for a shot? And I gave him my rates. And he's like, yeah, that's a little rich. And I responded like, yeah, well, you can't expect to 
own a Mini Cooper uh, or uh, own a Ferrari on the price of a Mini Cooper. And, <laughs> That's right. And he responded right. like, what the fuck? Um, like, that's <laughs> like so out there response. And I just respond like, okay, that's the way I work. So you, you either want to get good shit or you go someplace else. Yeah. And I think some people have a hard time connecting those dots just because what we do is a little more of a, you know, the pricing is variable. It's all over the map and yeah. it's a service, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's in their minds, it's less tangible and it's harder for them to connect the dots there, I think. But um, doesn't excuse it. It's just kind of, I think you find a few more people that are in that zone than you would at the Lambo dealer, right? Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Some of them can be entertaining, but I, 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 yeah, I definitely. It sounds like you're in the same place, but I definitely am at a lot more peace with those sorts of things these days because I'm just kind of like, you know, hey, this is how it is. If if you don't like it, I'm not here to offend you or make you angry, but I'm also not going to bend over backward to, you know, um, either change my pricing or convince you that you need to work with me, you know? So it's, and it's a much happier mental place to be than it was yeah. earlier in the business when every single client was a big deal. To, I mean, they all are, they're all a big deal, but like income wise, it was like very frustrating to lose any lead, right? Because you're, you're trying to build a business that can sustain you. Um, and the faster people can get into a more healthy, comfortable place there, I think the better. Yes. So what is the most valuable piece of advice that you learned while building your business? I would say that it's just, persistence, you know, and it, it might sound oversimplified, but, um, you know, I, I truly believe the difference between a successful startup business or small business and one that fails is just, you know, persistence, consistency, determination, those sorts of things. Like you're going to have a lot of failures and you're going to have a lot of bad days. And if you let those get the best of you and give up, that's a guaranteed path to failure, yeah. right? You just have to keep going. You have to keep going and you have to keep learning from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is, uh, in your opinion, what is the key to be successful? You know, it, it's, um, it's that combination of like persistence and consistency, like I just touched on and also, um, seeking out knowledge and improving your craft. Um, that's the one, two punch, you know, okay. um, you have to do both. So, so from, you, from a personal yeah. perspective, when are you personal. successful? Uh, got it. Got it. Understand. Now I understand the question. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> well, the other answer was good yeah. too, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. So um, for me, personal success is freedom. Um, and it's it's been amazing to achieve the freedom that I've achieved in running my own business, right? So in tech, you know, I was working at times 60, 70 hour weeks for months on end. And they'd call me at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. and come on in and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and I, I never felt so locked down and trapped in, in work than I did when I was doing that stuff. Um, you know, not the whole time, but like I went through seasons that were very tough for me. Mm -hmm. And for me to be able to launch a business and create the personal freedom that I have is amazing to me. And it's worth, you know, you know, people say, well, you know, like, isn't, you know, it's, it's easy to say money isn't what life's about. And that's true, but money enables freedom. Um, so they have this symbiotic relationship. It's not that we're all chasing money. We're actually all chasing freedom in a lot of ways, freedom to spend time with our family and friends, freedom to create experiences with important people in your lives. Um, freedom to travel, those sorts of things, right? And yeah. so there's a symbiotic relationship with money there. There's no question, but it's not money we chase, it's freedom. And so I, I'm I'm happy to say that I've generated far more freedom than I've you know ever had in the corporate world. And and that's tied to income. And and so I'm you know I'm thrilled with the progress I've made in revenue in my business. Um it's a tough year for a lot of people. <laughs> but, yes. But I'm also confident it'll uh, bounce back pretty strong, um, mm -hmm. you know, as we get past some of this stuff going on. But um, but I'm I'm most happy that I've been able to create that freedom. So that's that's what I would answer that question with. So you're saying you are successful at this point because you have more freedom that you had before. But what are the goals for the upcoming years? Like, what are you pushing for? Yeah. So. Um, my goal for 2021 is to get back to um, 2020, beginning of 2020 income levels. <laughs> it's a, I financial goals in, in that area because um, 2020 was off to an amazing start for me on the income front. Um, January, February were um, kind of record-breaking months and things were on a very nice uptrend. And I just like to reestablish 
where I was, pick up where I left off and keep pushing that. Cause you know, it was, I was going, I'm going into my fourth year full-time operation. And um, this was going to be a huge year in the sense that it would have established even more financial freedom and, and time, you know, to spend with my family. So um, that's a big deal to me. And I think that that is my biggest 2021 goal is to kind of pick up where I left off and get back to where I was. And like, are your goals mostly the ones that you're set financially to create the freedom or do you have creative goals? Yeah, I, I usually have about three to five, um, you know, as Peter would call them, be hags per year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and usually one or two of those are financial and one or two of them might be creative or personal projects or, you know, kind of uh, skills development sort of goals. Um, and a few of those, you know, it's, it's been a crazy year. A lot of those, I had those established in 2020, uh, things have changed a lot. Um, but you know, I started a project with another local portrait photographer. I haven't even really talked about this cause it got like, you know, we got stopped and it's tracks pretty much, but we were, you know, um, this is just an example of, of, a you know, uh, another goal that I had for 2020. It was a, a project where we were going to go out and photograph um, outdoors and to a kind of a spec. And we would each shoot about half of the subjects, but we were going to photograph um, unsung heroes in our community. Right. Um, and kind of tell their stories a bit. Uh, and that could be, yeah, we had a process. We were working on a process for people to nominate others. And, you know, this could be like nurses, doctors, uh, you know, people that volunteer anywhere, right? Just that are out there positively impacting the communities they live in. Yes. Um, and so that was a really exciting kind of project and goal we had established early in the year, but it's just all on hold right now. So we'll have to, uh, um, we did a lot of work on the planning phases and we'll have to pick that back up. But those are the, those sorts of projects are really meaningful Mm -hmm. and those sorts of goals to, you know, that was about a year long project we had um, planned for um, with the goal of potentially turning it into like a coffee table book or something that is published Um, or, you know, maybe, um, I mean, we have a number of goals for that specific project, um, but it's, it's, um, I'm excited to get back to that. Those are, those are exciting things to work on and meaningful things to work on. And they, they're important to me to be able to highlight, you know, others in our community that are giving back. Yeah, and we had uh, Eric Sadie on the podcast on episode 13, who's running a Humans of Support project in Canada. And he's shooting everybody that's like working through the COVID-19 crisis, uh, like from like firefighters to people in hospitals. And he's like creating awesome portraits for them. And he created a whole project around it. So I guess there's a lot of photographers um, like taking uh, the worst that could happen and like turn it into something that is meaningful for the community around. So like kudos to you that you're like sort of more or less like trying to do the same thing yeah it's it's an exciting project and it's been fun to kind of plan this out with the other photographer interestingly we came up with that idea before you know all the covid stuff and everything but it it became even more meaningful um you know when that hit i think and and so we're excited to kind of get back to it cool so um Last question of this thing: Where do you want people to go to, like, learn about you, find about, find out about your work, uh, all of that stuff? Like, drop everything. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, the website. I appreciate the plugs here. <laughs> the, oh yeah. The website is uh, John Glover Photography. Https: John Glover Photography. Um, on that page, you can find portfolio and about and all sorts of stuff like that as well. For other photographers, I now have a photographer coaching and ebook page. So that's a great area if they want to go in there. And, and that's just uh, slash photographer dash coaching on the website. It's also linked in the menu above. But um, if they want to see a little more about some of the coaching programs I have and or buy the ebook, that would be a great place to go. Um, my Instagram is at jglovervphotography. And uh, that's, I, I have a Facebook business page and I'm on LinkedIn. You should definitely look me up on LinkedIn, um, which should be pretty easy to find me through search. But I don't use the Facebook business page much. I wouldn't even plug it, to be honest. It's kind of just been there. Um, I put a lot more eggs in the Instagram basket um, as far as social media goes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is a great, I know you've done a lot of work out there on LinkedIn. Um, yes. I, I put a little bit of effort in there. It's a great place for us photographers to be networking and potentially finding clients too. Um, so I do use LinkedIn, uh, especially those that are shooting like corporate headshots, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of corporate types there. So uh, that's a big deal. Although my efforts are probably lacking where they should be. But again, it's just not a game I've picked up recently. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things, so at some point you just gotta like pick your poison and just run with it. Yeah, we all pick and choose where we wanna, you know, where we can or we want to spend time and effort. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much, John, for being on this podcast. I really appreciate all the insights. And like, I know it's early morning for you, but like, thank you so much. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure, Maurice. I, I really appreciate you inviting me on here to talk with you. Um, and it's been great getting to know you over the last few years and being able to hang here and there at uh, different events and so forth. So, and, and the podcast looks amazing. I'm excited to go listen to more of these because <laughs> I, I've been holding off so I could have a nice, clean, open-minded interview here with you, <laughs> but um, definitely want to dive back in and listen to the other episodes. Um, now you forgot one thing. You said you had a question about Mickey Mouse. Oh, I did. Well, you're close <laughs> to Disney World. Or Disneyland. I don't know which one. Did you ever shoot Disneyland? Mickey Mouse? Now, I, okay, so I have not. Actually, I have. I have photographed Mickey Mouse and okay. Minnie and Goofy okay. and I believe Pluto. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was the fun question say, at the end. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't say headshots, but I have been to the House of the Mouse, as we call it, and I have photographed uh, Mickey Mouse. That's true. And they are very strict about what you can do in a photograph with Mickey, by the way. Okay. So can you talk us through that just on the, on the bombshell of this whole thing? Like, what is the strictness? Sure. So uh, I have a client and we do, it's a corporate event. That it's a client I've had for years and they invite me out. It's usually a multiple photographer thing. And they set up portrait stations with the characters. That's what they do with their employees. Every character has a handler, right? There's always another person right next to that character. And um, they have all these rules. They're kind of weird. Like you can't have two characters in one photo. It's not allowed. Like I can't have Mickey go stand next to Minnie and get a shot of, uh, you know, someone in there with them. <laughs> And then, you know, I, I, they probably have 500 other rules that I'm less aware of, but they, they are very strict. Wow. And obviously, it's almost like a friendly bodyguard that cruises around with each character. Wow. And they're there, obviously, to make sure they're, you know, not abused or mistreated. And also, they have all these branding rules. I mean, you know where that stuff comes from, right? It's yeah. for whatever reasons, marketing and branding, right? They don't yes. want two characters in one shot or whatever. So it's very interesting. But um, yeah, so most years I go photograph Mickey. <laughs> nice. So Mickey is one of your recurring clients. Everybody he's a recurring knows client. him. <laughs> no. he's, he's, he's a return client. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he's referred me to Minnie and, and uh, Pluto and, <laughs> and Goofy and Donald. Goofy. And <laughs> yeah, Donald too. He was in there. Yeah, those yeah. are all referrals. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. That's so funny to end this podcast with. <laughs> Thank you again for being a part of this. Well, and that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.